Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When we bought NVIDIA in January 2019, it was $33 a share. Today, it is $800 a share. That was the trade of our lives. (laughs) We want to find uh, an investment that's just as good as our NVIDIA investment using Gemini. And I think we can do it. Basically, what we have done is we have downloaded earnings call transcripts from 2022 and 2023. We're going to load them into uh, Gemini and we'll see. uh, We'll ask some questions, see how it does. This is the stock that we came to at the end of a long journey, and I'll let you I'll let you see it as I do it. We're gonna swipe up to submit order received. <laughs> so there we go. Hey, I want to just take a quick break from this episode to tell you about a podcast you should know about. It's hosted by Nathan LeBenz, who's actually on this show and did one of the most popular episodes we've ever had about how to use AI as a co-pilot for the mind. Nathan hosts a podcast called The Cognitive Revolution, where he interviews builders at the edge of AI and discusses the profound shifts that it will unlock over the next decade. He talks to the researchers and entrepreneurs that are shaping this moment, like Logan Kilpatrick of OpenAI, who I interviewed for the show as well, Eugenia Kudia of Replica, and Suhail Doshi of Playground. To listen to the show, search for Cognitive Revolution in your podcast player. All right, now let's get back to how do you use ChatGPT. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Uh, I am just delighted uh, to do this with you. Um, For people who don't know, uh, you are one of my closest friends, um, and you are also a partner at IA Ventures. Uh, IA is a $600 million dollar uh, venture fund and you've done seed investments in public companies like wise and digital ocean um, and you're both uh i think one of the smartest people i've ever met um you really like have this way of digging down into an issue and like kind of figuring out the crux of it um and you're just like a very very good friend and very good person. And I like just I'm so lucky to have you in my life. And I'm so happy to be able to do this with you. Um, I'm, yeah, thanks for coming on. I didn't know that I was going to get this, uh, <laughs> like completely overwhelming, almost make me cry level of introduction. Um, but thank you. Uh, I also want to say thanks for getting me out of my natural ostrich like tendency to not appear in anything or be on the internet. Um, you always managed to stretch me. 
uh, in ways that have ultimately been so uh, additive and productive in my life. Um, you know, the last time was helping me get one of my first things out onto the internet <laughs> that people regularly reference uh, back to me like, oh, I saw you on every. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm really excited about this too. Great. I just, you know, I get to hang out with you and hear all your smart thoughts all the time. And I'm just like trying to bring more Jesse into the world. So this is our latest, our latest attempt. Um, and you are coming on to talk about Gemini Pro 1.5, the new model from Google that has a million, uh, a million token context window, which is like sort of wild. And our goal is to put it through its paces and try to try to see what we can do with it. Um, and the the concept that we came up with uh, is, uh, I think, really uh, a real. It's going to be really fun. Um, and I'm just sharing my screen. Uh, because uh, I, I, to, to set it up, what you realize is it would be really cool to do a good trade with Gemini and see if we can get it to like identify a stock to pick. And it like harkens back to this, like, I think probably the best trade, at least I've ever done. Yeah. I don't know about you. You're a professional investor. Yeah, it's, it's mine too. Yeah. Maybe so, meta second. Yeah. So in, in, in 2019, um, we created a little notion doc called Beirutti times shipper investments um, because we had we wanted to take a bet on a specific company and the company that we wanted to bet on was Nvidia. Um, and when we bought Nvidia in January 2019, it was thirty three dollars a share. Today it is eight hundred dollars a share. Um, and we wrote down our, our our investment thesis. We said, you know, the price is down because of the trade war, but that's only a temporary risk. Um, and that Nvidia is in a position of power because of its proprietary GPU, because of its proprietary GPU architecture, and its position in the market should only grow as machine learning and gaming increases the need for high-powered CPUs and computers. So the price dip should be temporary. So. So that was like, that was the trade of our lives. <laughs> it was, it was quite a moment. I mean, we, we fancied ourselves as distressed asset investors in, you know, our little long, short public market fund. Uh, I think important to note that we also made one of our worst investments ever at about the same time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's not like we were absolute geniuses right. uh, and we didn't have LLMs at the time. That's so, true. you know, maybe yeah. today will be different. Yeah. So, so the concept for the show is we want to find uh, an investment that's just as good as our NVIDIA investment using Gemini. And I think we can do it or I hope we can do it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm really excited about this in particular because um, I love using LLMs uh, for role-playing type exercises mm. as almost like a conversational participant mm. along with me. Mm. So my favorite sort of prompts for ChatGPT and, and now for Gemini are uh, assume that you are such and such famous character. What would you have to say about X? And that elicits a different kind of perspective from the LLM than just asking it a question flat out yeah. uh, because it's, it's trying to take advantage of whatever knowledge that it had about that person and things that co-occur with that person's name on the internet. Totally. And now today being able to do it with like an insane context window <laughs> means that we can just load in like all of the context around a person and see if, you know, Gemini can take the, the, perspective of that person mm -hmm. as if they're like an analyst on our little hedge fund team. I love that. Um, I'm curious, like, what are the names of people that you've used um, and found to work well so far? Uh, it really depends on the setting. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I just generally always try to ask, like, what would the CEO of a famous company in that industry 
Um, so if I'm, you know, let's say I'm analyzing something about aggregators, uh, I might ask, uh, you know, what would Jeff Bezos have to say about this? Uh, or what would Ben Thompson have to say about this? And it's kind of the intersection of someone who clearly would have an informed opinion about the thing, uh, probably has talked about it before, has a lot of information about them on the internet already. And therefore there's like some meaningful thing that the LLM might be able to draw from. And, um, and then also that whose perspective is generally a little bit contrarian or comes at things from a different angle than, um, you know, what the average of the internet might have. That makes sense. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, so I want to get us, I want to get us going into our, into our investment finding exercise. Cause we've, we've got 90 minutes, the clock is ticking. Um, so set up for us, um, how we're thinking about like doing the initial selection of companies. And I think we're basing it on how we thought about NVIDIA and we're going to try to see if we can do a similar kind of filter for this, this round of investment. Right. Exactly. So um, back when we were doing our little hedge fund in 2019, <laughs> uh, our idea was we wanted to find companies that had been trading down suddenly recently for some reason that we could look at and think, oh, this distress situation is temporary. And so from our perspective as a more like long-term investor, Obviously. it gives us uh, uh, the advantage of a margin of safety. Oh, if it's trading down by 20%, 30% or whatever, then we can be a little bit wrong about things and, uh, and still not lose too much money. Uh, as happened with our uh, worst case investment that we made around that time where it took us a little while, but we eventually recovered our, our principal on it and were able to live to, to die another day. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I will say like, yes, we, we went into this with this very long-term thesis, like, oh, it's only down temporarily, but then I sold, I panic sold it during the pandemic. So like, <laughs> I, I'm, I look stupid, but like, I still feel good about identifying it originally, but I'm, I'm going to hold this one. This, this trade is, I'm going to, I'm going to keep around. I think we should also say, for anyone who's listening, you shouldn't do this. Like, you shouldn't day trade. This is not a good idea. Uh, and we're doing it only with uh, an amount of money that we're willing to lose. Um, so this is not investment advice. <laughs> Use, you probably buy index funds unless you really know what you're doing. But anyway. Um, yeah, treat this as worse than Wall Street bets because yeah. it doesn't even have the common thread. And more on that later because we might even post our bet to Wall Street bets. We are going. We are going to probably post our bet to Wall Street bets if we can. But um, one thing that I forgot to say is we are going to put actual money down. So I created a Robinhood account, which is my the first time I've ever had a Robinhood account. <laughs> I put a thousand dollars in, and hopefully by the end of the episode we will find a company to put a thousand dollars in, and we'll be able to track how it does. Cool. Um, so yeah, why don't you? Why don't you? I think you're. I think you've set up the filter uh, of what we're looking for appropriately, and I know you're. You've been looking through companies to to kind of start our research with. Do you want to share your screen and and show us what you've been looking at? Yeah, let's let's open it up here. So uh, I just popped open this website, TradingView, and um, it gives you a, a way of screening all of the available stocks against a bunch of filters and criteria. Mm -hmm. And when I thought about the, the context of our NVIDIA investment, um, we were looking at companies that weren't massive yet, but had the potential to be the, you know, 10 bagger of the future. <laughs> uh, and uh, so uh, for me, that was expressed in the form of, it's a company that's between uh, a couple billion dollars and a hundred billion in market cap. So it could become the next trillion dollar company, yeah. uh, but it's starting from small beginnings. I think NVIDIA was like something in the 50 to hundred billion range uh, when we first invested. Mm -hmm. Now it's a $2 trillion yeah. company today, <laughs> <laughs> depending on the trading. Uh, so I was looking for, for companies like that. 
that were uh, in positive gross profit, uh, which we might play around with, but mm. just, you know, want companies that actually they're make healthy. a little bit of money. Yeah, and, they're and not going to die. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, you know, we, we're looking to avoid our total bozo risk <laughs> <laughs> as much as we possibly can. And uh, the way that we're trying to do that is just like, okay, the company has to figure out how to, how to make right. money somehow. Right, totally. And then um, aside from that, I was just looking for... Uh, like really there's so many like screens that you can do, but um, I, I really just wanted to find companies that had a six month performance that mm -hmm. was like, they're down 20% or something like yeah. that. But then, you know, on a five year basis in, in this column, uh, you know, are, are, are also down, but um, you know, we might come up with a reason for why yeah. that was the basic screen. And we were only looking at technology companies because that was what, you know, Dan and I thought maybe we'll have some, something some positive opinion. to say about yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> but I think we should also try to do companies that we, we know absolutely nothing about later. Right, totally. So I'm looking at this list and the first thing in my mind is like, I guess we could just throw this into Gemini and ask it to filter based on our like NVIDIA criteria. Yes. But I'm, I'm, I just want to confirm that, that that seems like a good idea to you. I think anything with LLMs is a good idea because we'll see what we get out <laughs> okay, of it. So let's just do it. <laughs> so somehow you're going to have to get that that uh, that stock screener screen over to me. Um, so all I right. can throw it into Gemini. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what we've got here is you copy pasted your uh, the output from from the trade view, and I'm going to just head into um, head into Gemini. And so again, this is this is not ChatGPT. This is Gemini 1.5 Pro, which is this new model. It's it's invite beta only, private beta. Um, and we're, what we're going to do is we're going to take the um, we're going to take the output uh, that that you gave me, and we're going to try to filter it by our criteria. So I'm going to let's say something like, "Hey, I'm trying to uh, pick a stock. I want to find a ten bagger." <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, I'm trying to replicate um, a trade I did in 2019 where I bought NVIDIA. It was down temporarily because of the trade war, um, and now it's a $2 trillion, um, now it's a $2 trillion uh, company. Um, here's a list of potential starting points for trades. Um, does anything pop out to you any uh, any any revisions there does that seem like a good start? okay cool so i'm going to paste it in and hit go see what happens one of the things i've noticed about uh about gemini is it's slower than mm. ChatGPT. so mm. like it takes it can take a million things uh, it can take a million tokens but you have to wait like i don't know sometimes it takes a minute for it to actually return which is i mean it, it's because our request just got queued behind all the things that make google money <laughs> to run on their tpus or whatever so <laughs> i get it uh, okay so google is uh gemini is saying um good caveat it's important to remember that past performance is not indicative of future results and finding the next 10 bagger <laughs> is extremely difficult while your nvidia trade was successful replicating that exact scenario is unlikely thank you gemini i appreciate that <laughs> but you're saying there's a chance <laughs> don't give up all hope just yet <laughs> um however i can offer some insights on the list you provided potential growth stocks bill d bill holdings incorporated 
This company provides cloud-based software solutions for managing invoices and payments. It has shown strong revenue growth and has the potential to benefit from the increasing adoption of digital payment solutions. Um, uh, Clavio, this company offers an email marketing platform for e-commerce businesses. It has a strong track record of growth and is well-positioned in a growing market. Appian, this company provides a low-code platform for building business applications. The demand for low-code solutions is increasing, which could benefit Appian. Um, important considerations, high growth, potential look for companies with strong growth, valuation, while, while, high, growth, growth, how, bleh, while high growth companies often have high valuations, it's important to ensure that the price is justified. Okay, so I think, so it's, it, it identified Bill Holdings, Clavio, and Appian. I think we should strike Appian because I just feel like low code is just like such a bad idea in an AI market. Mm. Um, but I'm curious if you have a differing opinion and or if any of the other any of its other suggestions pop out to you as something we should explore? Yeah. Uh, so what immediately stood out to me is that it's um, it's it's already identified that uh, high growth companies have uh, potentially high valuations, mm -hmm. uh, which is obviously true. Mm -hmm. And here, we're, what we're specifically looking for as a starting point is a company that's artificially depressed. Right. And so we want to figure out what reason there might be for mm -hmm. the company to be artificially depressed and mm -hmm. give us that that you know nice feeling that we can make our money back even if we're totally wrong. Right. 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 Uh, right. So. Uh, I would actually even let's like try a different angle. Um, the angle might be uh, instead of um, asking about those specific stocks, let's ask it for uh, how to construct a screener to identify companies that might be artificially mm. depressed in their prices. Because mm. maybe my screener idea is actually not even the right one. Okay. Um, and should we say, should we use the, tr the trade view um, and say like in the trade view or? Um, can't hurt. Okay, I cool. mean, it might be aware of what um, that is, uh, but but also even if it's not, um, you know, stock screener type filters are pretty generic. So I think it could just give us some ideas. Okay, cool. How should I construct a screener to identify companies that might be artificial, artificially depressed in a stock screener? Does that yeah. seem like a good place to start? Okay. And I will say like, these are things that we could do with ChatGPT. Um, and hopefully once we narrow things down a little bit, we will uh, start using more of Gemini's like in, like increased capacity to, yes. to analyze data. All right. So here are some criteria you can use to construct a stock screener. Price to earnings ratio. Look for companies with uh, PE ratio significantly lower than their historical average. Price to book ratio. Similar to, PB, to PE, a PB ratio significantly lowers is significantly lower than its historical average would be good price to cash flow ratio debt to equity ratio free cash flow um it's talking about technical ind indicators like the relative strength index i don't really want to use technical ind indicators um uh so I, I don't know any of those any of those things spark something for you we could also think about um you know, throwing in something like uh, like Ben Graham's Intelligent Investor book and see uh, <laughs> see what it, how Ben Graham might evaluate um, how, some of these stocks. But uh, but yeah, uh, tell me what you tell me what you think. My my immediate instinct is uh, to ask it to just make a decision. Uh, uh, so like every time I ever get some kind of summary from ChatGPT <laughs> or Gemini, uh, it's always like caveated heavily. Yeah, yeah. Like you might do this or you might yeah. do that, and I'm like, okay, great. I'm just trying to do the the best version that yeah. I can with five uh, parameters. Like, yeah. what would you use? Okay, so make it okay. Make a decision. Do the best uh, you can. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I do kind of want to download the Intelligent Investor just to have. It. <laughs> <laughs> Based on the information provided, it is impossible to make specific investments. Wow. Choosing a stock. So this is you know. 
I think um, it's, you know, Google's model is going to be probably pretty safe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're, we're running up against some uh, Google doesn't want to be liable for yeah. what we did with Gen 9 <laughs> type issues, which I get it. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're yeah. like just two, two dumb people <laughs> on Wall Street that's trying to make some some kind of new idea here. But, uh, you know, I think I think we should try to get it to, well, to be again. a little bit more explicit yeah we could yeah. say like pretend you're i don't know warren buffett or something yeah um, so let's try that um and i've come to you to make a final decision on do you want to have it decide on a trading strategy or on a stock i think we should go with trading strategy as a starting point a trading strategy to start with and this will probably weight it towards warren buffett's like trading strategy yeah um but i think it'll um I think it'll get it to make a decision for sure. Does it work with links? I don't think so. No. Okay. But we can just copy paste anything that's in a link into the... Does it work with PDFs yet or no? It works with PDFs. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Sweet. It also works with videos. Mm. Um, so, Ooh, interesting. So if you've got any videos um, or audio, also great. Mm. Uh, so my instinct is, uh, I think it'd be really fun to have it um, try to get like uh, people who run major hedge funds to mm. be our analysts. Mm, I love that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, okay, since he's been in the news a lot, I'm trying to think of uh, a good thing to feed in for Bill Ackman. Okay. Let's, have, let's, have, let's get Bill's opinion. Let's get Bill's how, opinion. How to find a good distressed stock right now. Okay. Um, so I'll say Warren Buffett in Gemini says, well, I don't advocate for frequent trading. If you insist on starting a strategy, consider a value-oriented approach. Look for undervalued companies using metrics like PE, PB, and, and P over C, or PCF. Um, look for companies with strong fundamentals and durable competitive advantage. So these are all things that we've already kind of considered. But I think the PE, maybe a, a PE... Uh, a low PE filter is an interesting one to consider. Yeah. 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 So uh, let's, I'm just going to try a, a filter. So I broadened our industry here and um, I'm going to try a, a price to earnings filter. So basically Gemini, our simulation of Warren Buffett <laughs> asked us to filter our, uh, our list by uh, price to earnings ratio, uh, you know, below a certain number, we picked 15. And so these are the companies that are, that are in that bucket. And these are the companies that um, have a fairly low price to earnings ratio might be depressed. I have not filtered this by tech companies. Right. Um, and maybe that's purposeful. I just want to make sure you're, you're good with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we, we can do um, uh, like uh, a broad screen yeah. and just right. have, it, have it tell us what, what to do like, a, like an analyst would. Perfect. Um, one thing that I'm feeling is there's not, we don't have real-time data in Gemini. So mm. asking it about like what is um, currently depressed might not work that well. Well, we're going to use the stock screener to figure out what's currently depressed. Okay. So the, the way that I was thinking about doing that was, um, so they have, if you search filter it by the word performance, they have uh, ways of screening by six-month performance. Ah, okay, cool, 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 cool. And so what I was thinking is, okay, we want something that's, uh, you know, below minus 20 on the six month. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, on a five-year basis, maybe we want something that is, um, you know, at or above zero. Yeah. I think that. that's, I like that yeah. because it, it indicates strength 
but temporary dysfunction. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's th- what we're looking for. My we're therapist told me that behavior. last week, so that's where that came from. <laughs> um, so, okay, so we've got 29 matches, um, and we could look at them individually ourselves. We could throw them into Gemini. What's your, what, what's your call? Yeah, so I, I think that now is a, a good time to, uh, to throw them into Gemini and ask, ask it to look for uh, points of commonality or something like that. Okay, cool. Uh, points of commonality. Tell me more about that. Well, um, uh, as a starting point, um, I think that uh, language models are amazing at clustering things. Mm. So um, if, I, if I were to ask it to um, you know, group them into some relevant groups that we can consider. If you had to cluster these stocks, how would you do it and why? All right, so I'm just going to paste the plain text and see how that goes. Okay, cool. So, okay, so it says clustering stocks involve grouping them based on similarities. Here are some potential approaches in the in rationale, clustering by sector, clustering by financial metrics, clustering by technical indicators, clustering by fundamental factors, hybrid approach. Choosing the best approach. The best approach for clustering stock depends on your specific goals and strategy. For long-term investors, focusing on fundamental strategies and financial metrics. For short-term investors, technical indicators and price behavior might be more important. So... Um, I would actually ask it, uh, cause obviously those things are true, but, yeah. but I would actually ask it to, to cluster them by, uh, things about the company and what it does. Okay. Um, so that it's more po- possible for us to analyze it okay. more, um, on the basis of just the, the nature of the company and yeah. its position in its industry. Or the nature of, of the company and its position in the, in the industry. So I'm just literally typing what you said and see what it does. All right, let's try it. Um, and I'm noticing that it's like, it's a little bit hesitant for some of these queries to like really give us an answer. Yeah. I'm not sure that ChatGPT would be so hesitant. All right. Well, let's, yeah. let's, let's I do a side should, by side. We should do a side by side while this is loading. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, so Gemini said, uh, clustering stocks by company nature and industry position. So based on the information provided, here's a possible clustering of, of the stocks based on the nature of the company and its position in the industry. Cluster one, commodity-based businesses. Companies like Archer Daniels, Darling Ingredients, Civitas, blah, blah, blah. These companies are primarily involved in the extraction, processing, or distribution of commodities like agricultural products. This immediately makes me think of lithium mm. um, for batteries yep. or anything and anything related to like chips or like silicon or whatever seems like an interesting yeah. play. Yeah. But I bet those are already hot. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're depressed right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're going to have a hard time finding anything depressed that's around semiconductors yeah. because it's so on thesis right now. That makes sense. Okay. Um, these companies are typically price takers with limited control over the market price of their product. Their performance is heavily influenced by supply and demand dynamics and global commodity prices. That doesn't sound like our kind of investing. No, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, consumer facing businesses, companies, Davis Budget Group, Car. I, I hate budget. I will not invest in budget. <laughs> This is like like a moral stand. Yeah, we're, we're we're taking a stand here. We're only investing in a company that we actually like, <laughs> or at least one that I haven't heard of, or at least one that I haven't had a personally horrible experience with. Um, so well, um, um, that's that's funny because uh, out of the whole list, the one that stood out to me was GoGo. And- <laughs> GoGo and Flight Internet. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about how it's potentially artificially depressed because. Uh, it's both a, a, a brand that people hate. Everyone has the same reaction that you just had to budget. And also at the same time, there's like the buzzy Starlink company that's going to try to go after them. Right, and, right, right. Uh, and so I wonder how much that, that impacts them. That's an interesting thing to, to look at. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, DIN mode, which I have no idea what that is. Um, 
we could look it up, Urban and Urban One. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the other uh, consumer-facing businesses aside from GoGo. Then there's technology-oriented businesses. So this is our bread and butter right here. Mm. Um, Perion Network, Intest Corporation, Universal Security Instruments, and Kimball Electronics. These companies develop or provide technology-based products and services, including software. Mm. Um, and then we've got a couple more. Uh, Davida uh, in healthcare, Davida, cross-country healthcare, AMN healthcare services. I know you're, you've got some investments in healthcare. I don't know if any of these pop out to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think a lot of people really dislike Davida, so that that's another one. Uh, um, in fact, actually, what I was thinking of asking Gemini is, um, which of these businesses are most likely to be uh, uh, trading poorly because consumers dislike the brand? Mm. Okay, so which of these businesses are most likely to be trading poorly because consumers dislike the brand? Um, because I think what you want to do is just strike them from our list. Or, maybe, or, or, or you, want, you know, or maybe, you want to maybe that's actually <laughs> worth us spending some time on. <laughs> yeah, tell me about that, though, because, like, if consumers dislike the brand, theoretically, that leaves a lot of room for a competitor to come along that would, like, kill the, the company, right? Yes and no. So uh, if consumers dislike a brand, but it has some crazy distribution lock-in, mm. uh, uh, so you know, GoGo being a, a great example, maybe um, GoGo is is the default and has hardware lock-in on so so many planes that it's not going anywhere anytime soon, even though consumers hate it, and uh, and so that maybe is an interesting opportunity. I get it. Okay. So and it, it said that. Or, so from the provided list, the businesses most likely to be trading poorly are GoGo. <laughs> GoGo provides in-flight internet and entertainment services. Urban One. Urban One is a media company targeting African American and urban audiences and Davis budget group while car rentals are generally more susceptible to economic fluctuation and travel demand negative experiences the customer service vehicle or could damage brand perception um all right i i i'm i'm getting a feeling here which is uh i just think that gogo is going to be interesting for us to analyze it. i love so it so i want i want to i want to dig straight in okay, and start talking about gogo okay how do we do that yeah so uh i think the key question for gogo is um whether or not their technology can be upgraded. Mm. So uh, it's clear that they have a distribution advantage already. Right, because uh, they're already in all the airplanes. They're in all the airplanes. Yeah. And uh, they've also integrated with all of the uh, apps and services that the airlines use to provision the internet yeah. and, and connect your payments and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So they're kind of the one to beat. And um, people hate the service because the service quality is low. Right. So question is upgradability mm. and uh and so I, I think it'd be interesting to to like t- start talking through with with uh gemini how uh gogo might might go about upgrading i love that i think that's a really interesting place to start why didn't you think about first like airline switching costs or like how hard it is for the airlines to rip them out and move move to someone else uh my my immediate thought was that if gogo is incumbent uh, it's the one that they already have a deal with. Uh, it's the one that's already installed. And if there's some clear upgrade path for them, um, that's going to be the natural first step for the airlines uh, before bidding out completely replacing all of the hardware. And so if it's possible for there to be a, a low cost upgrade path, I think that they they have that default they have an advantage. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, cool. So should I just ask that? Yeah. Okay, cool. So um how how hard would it be for uh, GoGo to produce hardware um, that would allow it to upgrade its current services in planes um, to what? What's the to be like Starlink technology? 
Uh, yeah, to to improve uh, service quality uh, using the the latest in connectivity like Starlink. Okay, like Starlink. All right, let's see. And then I think this is also a good opportunity to start integrating some uh, of uh, Gemini's giant processing capability. Let's do it. And um, my immediate thought is, let's just like get the earnings transcripts. Yes. And see how much they're talking about this. Okay, great. How do I do that? <laughs> uh, just go to their website and grab the earnings transcripts, I think is the best way. But we could also ask Gemini if there's a faster way to load them all in and see what it says. <laughs> no, I just, I've never gotten anyone's earnings transcripts. Oh, yeah. So I, mean, show me. I mean, literally just like... Uh, I mean, the, the, the dumb and simple ways yeah. to find their IR site and go to their quarterly results. Okay, cool. Investor relations. Some, here we go. Yeah, we got it. Earnings transcript. Um, uh, do we want annual reports, earnings reports? Yeah, earnings. Okay. And then um, we uh, want the, well, let's get the earnings call. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. So the, the, the transcript usually has all of the conversation um, already transcri transcribed. Okay. But we could also ask Gemini to to uh, to listen to the audio and see how they sound. Well, what I want to do, what, what I'm really interested in is um, is whether Gemini can like detect the um, like the the voice. Oops, yikes! Um, can detect like uh, the voice voice tone and stuff like that to see like oh are they like really um, nervous mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. you know like how are they feeling? Yeah. And I'm gonna have to do some magic to see if I can actually download this file. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that doesn't seem like it's gonna be super easy, but I might be able to find it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so do I do uh, go go announces third quarter results, go go earnings, earnings transcript, that's the what you earnings want? transcript, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, by the way, I just, um, I just found, uh, it seems like there's a, company that publishes the conference calls onto youtube oh sweet um, um so I, I just tried searching youtube uh for uh go go earnings call great and i'm i can download a youtube uh a youtube downloader yeah um oh uh gemini can't just like go straight in and process the youtube link i see got it Oh, actually, never mind. Uh, it, it only had a couple of random ones. I thought okay. it was every single one. All right. All right. Different strategy. Pivot, pivot. <laughs> <laughs> we've got some, tr we've got a transcript. So I have that now. We can start with that. Or if you want to keep looking for more stuff, um, there's, we can look at like Q. Well, I'm, I'm thinking let's actually try to load in like a bunch of the bunch transcripts of at once. You want to do the 10K? from 2022 sure but okay. but i i think the transcripts uh have uh some more like um uh there's q a in there mm -hmm. and what i'm really wondering is how much that uh things like replacement cycle and starlink mm -hmm. as a competitor and mm -hmm. whatnot are coming up and what management's uh, sort of reactions this. to those this are. is so good okay so i have all the earnings transcripts i have all the earnings transcripts from 2022 and 2023 is that enough to i think start with? let's do that okay i'll start with that yeah um Cool. So I'm downloading, save. I realized that uh, our uh, potential bet on GoGo -Go here has the characteristics of our worst investment more than the characteristics of our best investment. Interesting. Our worst investment came from the reason for a temporary dislocation being that, well, uh, this company was being sued 
And uh, there were a bunch of reasons why all of a sudden people were, were thinking negatively of it because of that sort of recency of announcement. Um, and it, it wasn't benefiting from a wave of uh, positive momentum for the adoption of a new technology that it was already well positioned for. And so I'm wondering, as we dig into it a little bit more, yeah. as to whether we can find reasons that GoGo is actually going to be a huge beneficiary of that new technology wave, or if it's actually are, uh, disliked for good reason. Right, right. I love that. Well, to that point, so we have a response from Gemini about, wow, um, about uh, how, how hard or easy it would be to upgrade its hardware. Mm. And so Gemini says, for GoGo to produce hardware that would allow it to upgrade its current services and planes to improve service quality, several factors need to be considered. Compatibility, GoGo's current systems operate on ground-based cellular networks. Mm. While Starlink utilizes satellite constellation, integrating these two technologies would require significant engineering effort. Hardware development, developing new hardware that can communicate with Starlink satellites and integrate with existing aircraft systems would be complex and expensive. Regulatory approval. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we have to take all this with a grain of salt. It could be making it up. Of course. Um, uh, for all we know, GoGo has this. <laughs> well, let's let's go to the transcript. We should Google or go to the, let's go to the transcript. Okay. So basically what we have done is we have downloaded all of GoGo's earnings call transcripts from 2022 and 2023. We're going to load them into uh, Gemini and we'll see, uh, we'll ask some questions, see how it does. So um, we're going to take this and we're going to throw it in here and um, we'll see it's all being uploaded. What, what would be your first question of, uh, of these transcripts? I would ask, uh, to what extent is management already talking about upgrading? Nice. Okay. Um, upgrading to new technology. How's that? Let's do it. Great. So I'm just saying to what extent is management already talking about upgrading to new technology? And, uh, I think we just put in a hundred, about a hundred thousand tokens. So this is already more than ChatGPT can handle. Um, and it's about where uh, OpenAI's uh, latest model, which is not yet available generally in ChatGPT, it's about what it can handle. It's about 128,000 tokens is mm. uh, GPT-4 Turbo. So right. we're pushing the limits of existing technology already. Let's do it. Yeah. Again, we need the uh, the waiting music. We need the, uh, <laughs> the already baked. Um, <laughs> um, the already baked response to take out of the oven. Okay. So... Management has been actively discussing upgrading to new technology, specifically in reference to their 5G ATG network and global broadband initiative. Here's a summary of their comments from the Q1 2022 earnings call. 5G ATG network. GoGo remains on track for a commercial launch in the second half of 2022. They have passed all development risks and are focused on a 5G chipset tracking and building towers. GoGo is already selling, shipping, and selling 5G equipment that can operate on the 4G network until the 5G box is available. Customers who pre-provision with, with this equipment can easily upgrade to 5G later by simply swapping the box. GoGo is seeing strong demand for 5G with orders from end customers, dealers, and commitments from OEMs. Global Broadband GBB Initiative. GoGo is partnering with Hughes Network Systems to develop a small electronically steered antenna to access the OneWeb Low Earth Orbit LEO satellite constellation. This will enable GoGo to offer global broadband con connectivity to business aviation, significantly expanding their addressable market. GBB is expected to launch commercially in the second half of 2024. GoGo is seeing overwhelmingly positive responses to GBB from customers, dealers, and OEMs. For existing advanced customers, the upgrade to GBB will be simple, requiring only the installation of the ESA antenna and running two wires inside the aircraft. So that's a, actually a really interesting point for what you were just saying earlier, that it will be pretty easy for them, it looks like, from this one search uh, to upgrade their uh, upgrade their air, aircraft to uh, 
to satellite. Fantastic. Well, that, that's that's looking pretty positive. I could imagine, uh, you know, people not following that specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, let's ask: uh, to to what extent would um, that upcoming change already be priced in to mm-hmm. their stock, and how would we figure that out? Okay, that's that's a great idea. Uh, to what extent would that upcoming change already be priced into their stock, and how would we figure that out? Um, I think it would be worth also inquiring as to like, why is the stock down right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, cause we're assuming that it's probably because of Starlink, but maybe it's something else. Maybe yeah, like it could be global aviation totally is like not doing well yeah. or, you know, yeah. Could be to- totally other reasons. All right. It is difficult to say definitively to what extent the upcoming technology changes are already priced into GoGo stock. The stock price reflects a variety of factors, including current financial performance, blah, blah, blah. However, there are some indicators that the market is anticipating the positive impacts of GoGo's new technology. Strong stock performance. GoGo's stock price has performed well in recent years, significantly outperforming the broader market. Is that true? Like, we should probably check that. Um, this suggests that investors are optimistic about the company's future growth prospects. Positive analyst sentiment: the majority of analysts covering GoGo have a buy or strong buy rating. Again, something that we should check. Mm. Um, high trading multiples: GoGo stock trades at relatively high multiples compared to its peers. This suggests that investors are willing to pay a premium. Given that we filtered by low uh, low PE ratio companies, I'm surprised that it's um, has a high trading multiple. I agree. Um, so here are some approaches to gauge the market's expectations, analyze analyst reports, compare GoGo to its peer and peers and model the impact of new technologies. So what do you think we should, do you want to start with analyze analyst reports or is there a follow-up question you want to ask? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm particularly trying to think about ways that we can use the advantage of a giant context window. Mm -hmm. Um, and analyst reports would have been great if we had an easy access to them, but yeah. I, I don't know if we're going to be able to easily download like okay. all of them. You don't have any like subscription to like. <laughs> I don't. <Okay>. Yeah, <laughs> we don't do public stock, so I got got as much as the average redditor okay. does. Okay. Um, so I I don't think that that's going to be a, a a useful direction. Um, where I'm at right now is uh, I'm thinking about how um we're trying to establish why GoGo is down. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's because we started with a stock screener mm-hmm. and just looked at things that were down. Yeah. Uh, but if I think about our original theory generation strategy, mm-hmm. it was finding things that were down for a clear reason that we knew. Mm-hmm. And the reason being something that was sort of public and in the news. Yeah. Um, so now I'm starting to think that maybe a different approach would be better mm. where we're actually starting from uh, more like recent news events okay. or things going on in global macro yeah. that might cause uh, something to artificially trade down that we can specifically find. I love that. Okay. Um, we, we can totally do that. Uh, I think we would probably use ChatGPT for that. All right, let's what, do it. Like what's let's, down, let's you know? tools. <laughs> But unless you had a, a sense for like how you wanted to go. No, about it. I didn't okay. have any sense more than okay. I said. Yeah, let's, let's try it. Let's give that a shot and we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I don't want to lose the like the go-go thread. There's something in it. There's something in it. Uh, um, I'm just realizing that in order for us to establish why it's down uh, and what is or isn't priced in, um, we're trying to hunt for a specific reason for it being down. Yeah. 
And um, I think we could potentially establish that, but it'd be hard to feel confident about it. I, I just did a little search. And mm-hmm. one thing that's coming up already is ah, GoGo delays it. launch of in-flight 5G network for second time in 12 months. Uh-huh. And so if we, had, if we had to guess connecting the dots, I'd say that's probably part of it. Yeah. Is, um, uh, and they attributed the delay to a design error made by a third-party subcontractor of its solution provider. In-flight internet provider GoGo Business Aviation is delaying the launch of its 5G network. Originally slated for a fourth quarter 2022 rollout, the service was delayed to mid-2023 to a computer chip testing holdup. Now GoGo expects a design flaw in its chips to push the launch back further to mid-2024. So I think like one of our one of the things in the calculus is do we think that they'll end up executing on this? Is the are the endless delays signs of incompetence mm. or um, do we want to bet? Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I I definitely see that, and um, I guess the the thing that feels important to me here is that delays are a uh, an internal thing, uh, and what we're really looking for is a stock trading down doing an exogenous shock. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, uh, cool. So, a uh, great example, you know, Nvidia, it was the trade war. Yeah. Uh, you know, more recently, Meta was an amazing trade because uh, it was artificially down due totally. to ATT and uncertainty around it. You're totally right. So, I, I'm I'm really hoping we can find some exogenous factors right now that might be affecting affecting stocks. Okay. What are some stocks that are trading down because of exogenous factors? And should we maybe say tech stocks or just any stock? Try any okay. for now. Um, I'm going to do this in ChatGPT and I'm also going to do it in perplexity. All right. Because I don't know. I'm, my perplexity might work actually. Um, uh, so let's see perplexity first. Okay, perplexity is not not answering this question well. Um, it's basically telling me why stocks might trade down rather mm-hmm. than using stock prices. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some stocks are trading down due to exogenous. And ChatGPT says some stocks that are trading down due to exogenous factors in 2024 include those affected by inflation data and the energy sector. Stocks and inflation data impact stocks in general have experienced downward pressure due to higher than expected inflation data. The CPI data for January showed a 3.1 percent year-over-year increase. So. Um, so inflation is, is one big exogenous factor and then energy, energy stocks after leading the market in 2022, took a breather in 2023, losing 6.7% by mid December compared to a nearly 20% gain. So what is this making you think? Uh, my immediate instinct is, um, well, if, if energy stocks are artificially down because of a bunch of, of exogenous factors, the second part of a thesis is uh, that also we want companies that are going to benefit from a positive wave of adoption uh, due to uh, a technology that they've built being adopted rapidly. So energy strikes me as an interesting one to dig into because uh, there's a bunch of technology shifts on the horizon mm. for energy and like government investing in it a lot at that. the same time that there's maybe some reasons why the the energy stocks right. are down. So are you thinking like um like big energy stocks like Exxon? Or are you thinking like trying to find some like solar company or some wind company or nuclear or something like that? Um, well, I, I think it's important that we find a company that sits on a key bottleneck. Mm. That was the insight behind NVIDIA and yeah. uh, Meta as two example uh, trades yeah. was that uh, NVIDIA had this huge advantage in uh, CUDA in mm-hmm. its particular case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Meta had this advantage in being the highest at scale player for, for advertising for a certain type. Right. And, right. Um, you know, in both cases, they, um, 
they stood to take advantage of their position in right. that value chain. So mm. um, I think we should try to find something that that might be similar. Okay. And um, how would you how do you suggest we go about that? Um, should we just should we ask like what energy companies control like a key a key bottleneck? Uh, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> okay. And ideally, we want to frame it in reference to and our position to ride a new technology wave yeah um what energy companies um control a key bottleneck in the value chain phrase it like that um in the value chain um, and are positioned to ride a new technology wave over the next five years let's say is that does that sound good okay and chat gpt at the bed um, <laughs> <laughs> the best analysts do that too. So. <laughs> we, can't, we, can't, we can't, can't help ourselves sometimes. All right, let's see. Uh, we're we're waiting for ChatGPT generation, but I think while ChatGPT is is thinking, we could um, we could just go over to back over to Gemini and and throw that in as well and and compare. Yeah. So I'm going to ask Gemini what energy companies control key bottleneck in the value chain and are positioned to do ride a new technology wave over the next five years. In the energy, ChatGPT is saying. In the energy sector, companies that control key bottlenecks in the value chain and are positioned to ride a new technology over the next five years include those involved in hydrogen production and fuel cell technology, as well as those focused on building resilient supply chains for energy transition technologies. So hydrogen production and fuel cell technology, hydrogen is emerging as a key player in the energy transition with applications from renewable energy systems to decarbonizing transportation, companies involved in hydrogen production and fuel cell fuel cell technology and related infrastructure are well positioned to capitalize on this. Hydrogen power vehicles and fuel cell uh, electronic vehicles are expected to play a complementary role. Okay. Building resilient supply chains. As the energy transition accelerates, supply chain resilience is becoming increasingly important. Companies that can navigate and mitigate risks related to volume shortages, price volatility, geographical sourcing dependencies, long lead times, and quality issues in the supply chain are will have a competitive advantage. And then green business opportunities, companies that can scale green technologies quickly and efficiently will have an advantage. Um, what's, what's popping out to you? Well, we need to ask it for public stocks. Okay. So let's, let's ask it for examples of public stocks that might benefit in each of those categories. Okay. Give us some public stocks that fit each of these categories. And we'll see what Gemini said. Um, so Gemini by comparison said, here are some energy companies that control key bottlenecks in the value chain and are positioned to ride a new technology over the next five years. One is midstream companies. Bottleneck, midstream companies control the transportation and storage of oil and gas. This is actually pretty cool. Um, this gives them significant leverage in the value chain as they can influence the flow and pricing of these commodities. New technology waves, midstream companies are investing in new technologies to improve the efficiency and sustainability of their operation. This includes pipeline leak detection, automated pipeline operations, and carbon capture and storage. Examples are Kinder Morgan and Enterprise Products Partners. Like I like that it's it's giving examples. Yeah, it already went to the yeah. examples. Yeah, and clustered them in a useful way. Yeah, too. it's pretty cool. Um, renewable energy developers bottleneck. Renewable energy developers control the development and construction of renewable energy projects. This gives them a key role in the transition to low carbon energy. New technology wave renewable energy developers are constantly innovating to improve the efficiency and cost effectiveness of renewable energy technologies. Um, so solar panels, wind turbines, energy storage, and it's suggesting Next Era Energy, the world's largest producer of wind and solar energy, and then First Solar, a leading manufacturer of thin film solar panels, FSLR, is constantly innovating to improve the efficiency and affordability of its products. Energy storage companies. 
Bottleneck. Energy storage is a critical bottleneck in the transition to a renewable future. As the grid becomes increasingly reliant on intermittent re renewable energy sources, energy storage is needed to balance the supply and demand. New technology wave, lithium-ion batteries, flow batteries, and hydrogen storage. And it's recommending Tesla and Fluence Energy. Um, yeah, what are you thinking? Uh, well, I'm thinking let's let's find out if any of those are are artificially <laughs> down. Uh, down. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, I wonder what the um, oh let's let's compare to ChatGPT. So ChatGPT says plug and power for hydrogen production. It says plug and plug power Inc. Ballard Power Systems and Bloom Energy. And then for building resilience of supply chains, it says Albany Corporation, Freeport McMoran Incorporation, and Rio Tinto Group, which. Who knows? Um, and then green business, it recommends Beyond Meat, Tesla, and First Solar. So actually, the green business is the is the one sort of overlap between Gemini and um, and ChatGPT. What I'd like to do is have it. Um, uh, I'm gonna here's uh, I'm gonna have Gemini just output a clean list for us. Here's mm -hmm. a, a list of uh, other recommendations. Please, please print them out. Um, please print these and your recommendations as a bulleted uh, list with just the ticker symbol, just so it makes it easy to uh, add to our stock screener. Beautiful. So, um, and then I'm going to split my screen. And what was the stock screener again? Uh, trading view. Trading view. Okay. I'm not ready. Um, and then how do you in trading view look at a uh, specific set of tickers, symbols, filters? Uh, I think you can... I think I just type in a symbol. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's like a faster way of doing it. Okay, um, we've got our clean list of recommendations. Um, yeah, how should we start? Just go down the list? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to Upload them. Okay. Oh, upload them. Or like, you know, just dump a list into a product, but I can't find one. Okay. If there's any way, okay. Well, let's just go one by one unless there's, I'm happy to copy paste them individually because there's not that many. If we can get them all up on a screen somewhere, but I don't know what product would do that. Me neither. Okay, cool. Um, well, we'll just, we'll just do it this way. So let's go one by one. So we're going to start with KMI and um, we're going to just kind of do a little spot check of KMI. Uh, looks like it is down. Um, we've got a $38 billion market cap. Uh, where is uh, the PE ratio is 16? So it's like just above our threshold. Um, dividend yield is 6.55%. Um, yeah. Anything, uh, anything sticking out to you here? Or should we move on to the next one? Uh, yeah, it just doesn't look like it's, uh, it's gotten hit by any kind of recent exogenous event. And that's really like a key factor that we're looking for. Yeah, so. it's down 10% over five years and it's down only 0.29%. Okay, so yeah, over the last six months. So right. I think we're I think we're good. We're good on that one. Right. Um, so I'm going to just pop this out. I think it's not really working that well. Uh, let me do that. Separate. Okay, cool. So next one is EPD. So EPD is... Um, Enterprise Products Partners LP. Um, this is also up six five percent over the last six months, so that's not really that's not really that good. Um, let's see, NEE Next Era Energy Inc. Um, 
down 15% over the last uh, six months and up 20% over the last five years. Okay. So we've got a strong company potentially over the last five years, but definitely hit by an exogenous shock. Um, it's next era energy. It's a utility company. It engages in the provision of renewable energy. It operates through the following segments, FPL and NEER. I have no idea what that means. Um, the FPL segment involves the energy transmission, distribution, and sale of electric energy in Florida. The NEER segment produces electricity, electricity from clean and renewable sources, including wind and solar. Mm -hmm. So um, we've got a 15, a 15 price to earnings ratio. So right on target for us, $116 billion market cap. Uh, so it's a little larger than I think we were we were we were thinking of, um, but there's something good there. I think it at least passes some initial criteria. Yeah. What are you thinking? Um, this is making me think that uh, I, I just kind of keep going back to what works so well with Nvidia. Yeah. And um, I realize that there's the trading down due, an, due to an exogenous factor stands to benefit from a technology wave and also there's this last aspect, which is extremely scalable business model. Mm. And uh, I think that uh, the, the challenge I'm immediately imagining with some of these energy companies is that, yes, they're going to benefit from a technology wave, uh, but, uh, and we need to assess that specifically right. for each company. Right. But then there's still the issue that they don't get this incredible scalability of the business model right, right. that a, a company like nvidia or, or meta had okay got it and so um, now i'm a, a little bit stuck on how we're going to go about finding something like that in the en energy industry and mm. my instinct is let's ask okay cool i love that i think so i just want to point something out which is like we came into this with an idea of a trade we made a while ago and through the course of like using gemini and talking about it um, we and more specifically you have been refining the like key characteristics of this of the trade we we already made and the trade that we want to to make in the future, and I think that's such a valuable process. It's, it's something that I think you're incredibly good at is really being able to articulate cleanly like the concept or the idea or the principle behind what you're doing, and I think having that three part trade so far maybe it'll maybe it'll get larger as yeah. we go is such a it's such a powerful thing, and I just want to like underscore that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's trying to break down into what are the key components? Uh, what are the makings of a, a company that's going to end up doing ridiculously well yeah. and uh, seeing how much they can replicate in the public market? Yeah, Ho hopefully we, we can find that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a high bar. And like, I guess it's, it's possible that we come out of this not making an investment. And, some, and sometimes that's okay. Yeah. Um, because we're really we are looking for that 10 bagger. You yeah, know, holding like... your thousand in cash <laughs> is uh, not so bad. Uh, you know, we'll, still, we'll still make 40 bucks on it yeah i'll put it in a high yield savings account <laughs> exactly. um okay cool so uh okay so um help me um help me compose a a response to this uh we're looking for a, a company that has a particularly scalable business model uh so that as the technology wave uh of for example solar uh comes to to bear in the coming years uh, it, this company stands to not only benefit, but also scale massively. Mm. Um, which companies in the energy industry that are public companies ha also have a highly scalable business model? Okay. Um, so one thing that we should think about is like defining for Gemini, like what you mean by highly scalable. I think it's actually good to keep it. You think it's good to keep it, yeah. keep it abstract? Okay. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, okay, let's. We can always refine. We can always refine. That's that is true. I think that's a good principle: is start start simple in general, and then refine depending on what we, what we get. Yeah, um, I, I find that using LLMs uh, is a, a task of continuously refining your question. Mm. Uh, so it's seeing what's related to the way you ask the question, and then uh, you find some nuance, and you kind of keep going and keep going and totally. keep going. Totally. Um, all right, we're. We're waiting. We're we got the dots. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I think that the biggest opportunity I've learned about today is hold music for LLM. <laughs> <laughs> Immediate investment. <laughs> okay, um, here are some public companies in the energy sector with highly scalable business models that stand to benefit from the solar technology wave. First Solar is a leading manufacturer of thin film or solar panels. The company has a highly scalable manufacturing product and a global footprint. As the demand for solar energy continues to grow, First Solar is well positioned. Enphase Energy. Enphase is a leading manufacturer of microinverters, which are used to convert direct current electricity from solar panels to alternating current. That's interesting. That can be used in homes and businesses. Enphase's microinverters are modular and easy to install, which makes the company's business model highly scalable. Solar Edge Technologies. Solar Edge is a leading manufacturer of power optimizers and inverters for solar energy systems. Like Enphase, Solar Edge's products are modular and easy to install, which makes the company's business model highly scalable. It's Really keying on modular and easy to install, which is interesting. Mm. Um, Sunrun is a leading provider of residential solar energy systems. The company has a strong track record of growth and is well positioned to benefit from an increasing demand for residential solar energy. Sunrun's business model is scalable because it can be easily replicated in new markets. Mm. What do you think? Well, um, obviously, manufacturers came out a lot here. And uh, I think you're right that we didn't define highly scalable terribly well. Yeah. Uh, but um, if I think about, again, I keep going back to Meta and NVIDIA. Yeah. Both of those have highly scalable business models in a different way, mm. which is, uh, uh, you know, as NVIDIA is fabulous uh, as a uh, manufacturer. So it doesn't literally have to go and manufacture the the items. It just buys capacity from TSMC. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, similarly, Meta, you know, when when advertising spend is is growing and uh, they're capturing more share of people's attention, Meta doesn't have to spend all that much more on on right. any important you know infrastructure thing or other thing that right. they they need to spend money on. Um, I think that these companies might have kind of the opposite characteristic. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I guess, yeah, uh, maybe we should actually default since since we keep using it as inspiration, maybe we should actually go flip back to asking uh, Gemini and, and ChatGPT what companies uh, have characteristics similar to yeah. Meta and NVIDIA. Let's do that. Um, and, um, and, and define some of those characteristics. Yeah, and use I, that as a I like that. And I think we can, I think we can list out our list out more details of our trade and list, list out details of Meta and NVIDIA and see what that does. How yeah, does that, let's how does try that, it. How does that sound? Okay. So you, uh, you lead the way and I will, I will be the scribe. Uh, we're trying to find a company whose business model is scalable in that, uh, it can grow a hundred times in a year and not uh, uh, run into any key bottleneck. Mm. Um, that characteristic is extremely rare uh, and more common in the digital world, but we're looking for things that might have some similarity in non-internet or software. Um, in particular, since energy seems like a great opportunity, we're wondering about if there are any public companies in the energy sector that have this sort of extremely scalable business model uh, um, and at the same time uh, 
sit in a, a bottleneck in their value chain that um, also enables uh, that per, that company to uh, capture the lion's share of uh, new market opportunity as it comes up, uh, yeah. you know, in a in a tailwind market, something like that. Wow. You uh, can you can uh, give give the LLM basically warm ipsum text uh, <laughs> for slightly better uh, total stream of consciousness, and it can just do something with it. Which I love is one that. of my favorite. It's so good, right? <laughs> Um, okay, cool. So um, we're trying to find a company whose business model is scalable and that it can grow 100x in a year and not run into any bottleneck. That characteristic is extremely rare and more common in the digital world, but we're looking for things in non-internet and software. In particular, because energy seems like a big opportunity, we're wondering if any companies in the sector have this characteristic and sit in a bottleneck of the value chain that allows the company to capture the lion's share of new opportunity as it comes up in a tailwinded market. I'm going to take this exact thing and paste into ChatGPT and see if... Yeah, uh, let's, let's do it. See, see, we'll go ahead. To also, head. we even invented the word tailwinded. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I know exactly what it means. It's great. It's a great word. So does ChatGPT and Gemini. I believe in them. Uh, finding a company in the energy. So ChatGPT says finding a company in the energy sector with a business model that can scale 100x in a year without running into any key bottlenecks is indeed a challenging task in the energy sector, physical constraints, blah, blah, blah. Um, energy storage solutions, companies that provide ener innovative energy storage solutions such as battery technology or energy management systems might have potential to scale rapidly. Energy efficiency services, companies that offer services to improve energy efficiency such as smart grid technology could have scaling potential. Renewable energy trading platforms, platforms that facilitate the trading of renewable energy or carbon credits could potentially scale. Electric vehicle charging networks, companies that develop and deploy EV charging infrastructure might have potential to scale quickly. Cool. Uh, let's try to get it to yeah. list some companies. Give us some companies, please. Um, and then, okay. So let's see. Let's compare to what Gemini said. Gemini said it is extremely rare for a non-internet and software company to have a business model that is scalable enough to grow 100x in a year without running into any bottlenecks. However, there are a few energy companies that have the potential. First Solar is a leading manufacturer of thin film. It's really keen on First Solar. Um, the company has a highly scalable manufacturing process and a global footprint. They're more efficient and affordable. It's well positioned to scale. It also sits in a key bottleneck in the solar value chain. The company is one of the few manufacturers of thin film solar panels and has significant cost advantages. While it is unlikely that first solar will grow 100x in a year, the company does have the potential to scale its business significantly. Other, um, other companies are Emphase, which it already suggested, Solar Edge, which it suggested, and Sunrun, which it already suggested. So we're not getting anything like totally groundbreaking here yeah and um you know i just quickly looked up enphase i had never heard about them before and uh it would have been an awesome trade for us in uh 2019 <laughs> if we found them at the same time as, as we found nvidia and uh and you know i think i'm not sure if today they're they're so unknown mm, okay uh, so we're, we're running into the the challenge that um you know i think a lot of these are, are probably pretty packed trades can we say like can you give us some more stocks that are less well known yeah and um, and also, I think at this phase, we might also switch out of the energy industry. Hmm. The only reason we got down deep into energy was because it given us shock. Exactly. Um, maybe maybe one thing we could do is um, is just start over with like the 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 three or four part trade that we have. So mm -hmm. it's like exogenous shock. Um, sits in a key bottleneck of the value chain and and is able to scale. Mm -hmm. There's one other component that I'm forgetting. Um, I think that those are the three major ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. So I'm going to just uh, create a new chat prompt. Um, I don't want to, I want to save this. Cancel. Okay. 
Okay, so we're looking to find public stocks that have the following characteristics. Are suffering some kind of exogenous shock to their business. Um, sit in a highly valuable bottleneck in the value chain. Um, and um, uh, have a highly scalable business model such that they could scale 100x in a year um, easily, relatively easily. Um, anything else that you think we should put into this prompt? Uh, let's try that. List them out. Um, okay, same thing. We're going to do the same thing for ChatGPT. And remember, ChatGPT has access to real-time information, so I'm curious how it does mm. relative to Gemini. Finding stocks that meet all three of these criteria can be challenging. This is ChatGPT's response. Um, I can suggest a few industries and companies that might fit these characteristics. Cybersecurity companies like CrowdStrike and Palo Alto Networks sit in a valuable bottleneck. They have scalable businesses. Um, they could face exogenous shocks from regulatory changes, major security breaches, or shifts in technology. Cloud service providers like Amazon, AWS, and Microsoft, I, I think we can get rid of that. Mm -hmm. Semiconductor companies like NVIDIA, I think we can get rid of that. Um, biotechnology and vaccine manufacturers. So companies like Moderna and BioNTech have shown that they can scale rapidly in response to global health crises. They, they sit in a valuable position in the, in the value chain, um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, fintech companies like Square, PayPal, and Adyen. So I don't know. I think these are okay, but um, can you, I'm just going to ask, can you dig deeper and find less well-known companies? Um, and let's let's compare to Gemini. So Gemini says, shock-proof stocks. I don't know why it's, it's <laughs> uh, so basically it's finding it's finding stocks that are in each of the categories instead of all three categories. Mm. Um, so it's mm. saying a shockproof stocks um, and, and, and a Darko Petroleum, Carnival Corporation, Boeing. I don't know if Boeing is shockproof. <laughs> um, all it takes is one door to fly off a 737 <laughs> mats or whatever. It's pretty shocking. Uh, 787, yeah. um, bottleneck sh uh, stocks. Google, Microsoft, Visa, scalable stocks, Amazon, Netflix. So it's giving us like really kind of generic suggestions. Mm -hmm. um, can you dig deeper? I'm just going to say, can you dig deeper and find some less well-known stocks? Um, so going back to ChatGPT, it says, here are some less well-known public companies that might fit your criteria. Digital Turbine, this company provides mobile advertising and app distribution solutions. The Trade Desk, that's an IA company. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Inari <laughs> um, uh, Medical, this medical device company specializes in treating venous diseases. Um, Serence specializes in creating unique moving ex experiences for the automotive world. Upstart Holdings, JFrog, Matterport. Anything, uh, anything pop out to you? Um... Well, uh, seeing Matterport show up uh, just reminded me that um, I believe Matterport was an instance of a company that got public by being a, uh, a spec company. Mm. And um, I think the spec companies all got pretty wrecked yeah. and uh, are, now, uh, uh, are now particularly small cap. Yeah. Like some of them are probably barely staying on the exchange. Yeah. And so... Um, there might be an interesting opportunity lying in the the list of spacked companies. That'd be fun to analyze. <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, yeah. I'm also just noticing that um, it doesn't feel like we're getting terribly useful 
uh, responses here. Yeah. Um, it's going to require quite a bit more digging. Yeah. And uh, I think it's almost like the same work that you'd expect a, an analyst in our little hedge fund to, totally. to be doing every day. We're going to get a ton of stock pitches that are no good. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've got to move our attention to a better opportunity. Next analyst, please. So uh, I'm thinking about the, uh, the SPAC companies. What do you think? I think we can do that. I think we can also. So we've got about 15 minutes left. Hmm. Um, and I want to make sure that there's time to kind of like reflect on what what we what we have experienced mm. um, and what we've learned from this. Um, so I don't know. Uh, are you are you cool to to move on to that, or do you do you want to push forward one more time? I just with feel like we've got to make a bet. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got fifteen minutes. We got fifteen left. minutes. The let's clock is ticking. Let's, let's find our bet. Let's make the bet. So we're gonna we're gonna bet. How about this? Within fifteen minutes, we're going to bet on one company that has spacked, gotten public, and gotten wrecked in the public market. And we're going to pick which one we should better. Let's do it. And do not do this at home. Absolutely. Do not do this at home. Uh, okay. So how do we how do we get all the, the SPAC companies? Let's just ask for a list. Okay. Can you give me a list of all of the companies that spac in 2019? Was it? It's 2020 to 21. 2020 to 2021. Um, ChatGPT says no. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that certainly ended that conversation, Judge. <laughs> um, I'm uh, I'm trying to find some. There's a, there's a website called Spectrack, <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm just looking at the uh, the Spectrack list. Okay, uh, let's see if we downloaded. So I'm Excel. getting I'm getting a list. So DraftKings, Nicola Corporation. I think that's gone now. Virgin Galactic, Open Door, QuantumScape, ChargePoint, Clover Health, SoFi, Lucid, 23andMe, WeWork, Grab Holdings, Bark, Astra Space. Honestly, like, I think Open Door is an interesting one. All right. Like, they were doing really horribly for a while, and I wonder where their stock is now. Hmm. Um, let's go back to our trading view. Um, what's their ticker? Uh, what's Open Door's ticker? Open, classic. Okay, so looking at Open Door, we've uh, year to date is down thirty three percent. Over the year, it's up. Uh, for the last year, it's up fifty one percent. Five years, it's down seventy three percent. Market cap is one point nine eight billion, so it's very small. Um, Open Door engages in the operation of buying, selling, and trading of residential properties online. The company was founded by Eric Wu and is headquartered in Tempe. Um, it has a thousand employees. What should we, what should we look at? Uh, well, um, I'm starting to think about the most efficient way to cut through this because we only have 10 minutes. Right. Um, so open door doesn't feel like, uh, one that I, I would spend much time on, mm -hmm. um, go back to the list. Okay. So, um, I'm wondering about, uh, I think we should, should take a bet on a company that has, you know, that got public, but had some like pretty speculative technology. Mm. And uh, there's like a, a bet that we could take on their speculative technology working. Mm. And if it works, the uh, massive upside scalability right. of their model, et cetera, right. et cetera. Uh, so let's see if we can find an instance of that here. Um, you know, what, what stands out to me is... Um, Actually, very few of these have uh, that characteristic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also a very incomplete list. Um, 
Uh, I'm interested in uh, uh, 23andMe. I don't know if it's still public, uh, but I think uh, it. I I don't think so. Or there's some like really bad scandal with it, right? Well, there's a bad scandal with it, so that's that's, that's the, the exogenous shock. Yeah, uh, and um, I, I'm pretty sure that it's it's, it's like still public. It's trading at 58 cents. <laughs> there we go. It's a 270 million dollar company, <laughs> and um, you know it's. <laughs> It's a bit of a, of a rat's nest of regulatory issues and whatnot, but uh, you know, potentially, potentially interesting. It's um, at the same time, it's uh, it's also got a uh, um, the characteristic of being sued a lot, which which we we've gotten burned by in the past. So we might... it, but I do think like genetic data is going to be way more valuable now with transformers mm, because you can mm. throw it like you can process it all and make interesting predictions from it potentially yeah in a way that you couldn't do prior to transformers right. and i really wonder if that data will be really valuable yeah and uh clearly it's uh, it's gotten better to such a level that um you know there's there's definitely margin of safety if we end up being right right <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't go bankrupt <laughs> if it doesn't go bankrupt uh which i think is a, a key question is, yeah. is is it gonna go bankrupt um so uh let's see well we've we've got we've got under 10 minutes we've got to figure out if they're going to go bankrupt yeah uh and um and so let's uh let's try to figure that one out with uh with chat gpt yeah let's do that um what what uh what would you what would you ask chat gpt is 23 and me going to go bankrupt <laughs> <laughs> is 23 23 and me going to go bankrupt okay um cool and it says, as of my last update in April of 2023, there are no public indicators. No, that's so that's you're wrong. Um, I'm gonna just add a new uh, chat. Is 23 and me going to go bank go bankrupt? Make make your best guess. <laughs> 23 and me is facing significant financial and legal challenges, but it's not clear that the company will go bankrupt. The company's stock has fallen dramatically and is in danger of being delisted. Additionally, it's dealing with multiple class action lawsuits related to a data breach last year. The company's financial situation is precarious with its with a substantial portion of its venture funding already spent. However, it's attempting to transform into a healthcare company as some drug candidates in early stage human trials. The future of the company will likely depend on its ability to navigate its legal challenges and pivot its business model. Hmm. feels like a tough bet <laughs> maybe we go back to our list <laughs> all right going back to our list uh we've got sofi we've got um i don't know what quantum scape is we've got charge point yeah that's a that's a network uh oh man this is a tough list tough list um what's virgin galactic up to i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask. What's uh what is Virgin Galactic up to? Browse. It recently completed its eleventh successful space flight known as Galactic 06 on January 26, 2024. This was notable as it marked the first time all four seats aboard were occupied by private astronauts. It reached blah blah blah. However, Virgin Galactic plans to halt its Unity suborbital flights by mid-2024 as it concentrates resources on the next generation of vehicle, the Delta-class ship. The company will reduce the frequency of these flights, and it's part of the transition to achieve positive cash flow by 2026. Hmm. Let's see what its stock price is doing, Virgin Galactic. Um, so, uh, let's see. 
It's down a lot. <clears throat> um, but not really an exogenous shock. It's just it's just it's just performing poorly. Yeah. Uh man, this is this is tough. I, I I'm starting to feel like that four percent interest rate is looking good on the bank account. <laughs> Um, I mean, I think we got to hold ourselves. We got to hold ourselves to it. Yeah, we, 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 we've got it. We've got to make it. We've got to make a bet. Yeah, we've got to make a bet. I'm, uh, you know, got that thousand dollars, um, burning a hole in my Robinhood account. <laughs> um, I think we could also broaden to, um, if there are other stocks that you think are are good or or have been have been thinking about that don't necessarily fit this thesis. No, I want to I want to do a spec so okay. or, or uh, you know a battered stock. So I think I think let's go with twenty three and Me. Great. And I think we should flip from uh, analyzing the stock to becoming a promoter of it. <laughs> so uh, let's let's get Gemini to uh, it, listen to its to read its its transcripts and uh construct a uh, a case for why it's going to uh be a 10 bagger for us i love it okay cool so <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna get the um the webcast um, all right let's try a webcast oh, sorry uh I don't, this is gonna be the same yeah the transcript is gonna be the same problem as the last time yeah um this that's the q a yeah i think that's that's fine the q a is okay okay um so we've got 2024 earnings call, the Q&A, and then uh, we've got, let's keep going. There's probably some investor presentation that's worth it yeah, as well as uh, yeah, all of these other things. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, so we've got a bunch of these. Oh, wow. Interesting. Look at look at this. This is like sort of a AI enabled Q and A, um, or maybe it's not AI enabled, but it's very organized and it's not like a. Oh, it's not a transcript. I thought this was the uh, earnings call. Got it. So we've uh, got the investor presentations, but I think. Um, shit. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't see that um, okay. available. All right. They, um, they might not publish it, I me Earnings call transcripts. Let's see if we can find it. Seeking Alpha. All right. We've got it from Seeking Alpha. Thank you. Um, so this is Q3 2024. Um, let's see. Oh, 23andMe stock falls 20% amid earnings report breakup speculation. <laughs> Should probably read this before we we yolo into it. <laughs> I can't read it because I don't have access to it. Yeah, twenty twenty three, twenty three. The internet's so broken now. Breakup speculation. Thanks, Google. Uh, <laughs> we've got three minutes. All right. I mean, it feels like it feels like if the clock is ticking, we've we've got to probably make a buy. Twenty three and me considers splitting up company to revive stock price. Mm. A day after the company reported dismal third quarter, third quarter. Uh, 2024 results and discuss splitting itself in, in two to help juice its stock. 23andMe reported 44.7 million for the quarter, down 66.9, and it received a deficiency letter giving the company 180 days to bring its share price back. And Wojcicki said the company is considered splitting up its consumer and therapeutic business. So, feels like a buy to me. This is the moment of truth. 
<laughs> so, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, we, we've we've already decided that this is going to be our buy, and now we're now we're just talking about constructing the investment. Thesis. I think I think you're right. Um, I I will say like I feel uncertain about this buy. <laughs> <laughs> but i'm doing it for we're doing it for the content we're doing it for the fans we're doing it for the audience yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> this is what they call oh, <laughs> this is what they call a yolo trade um okay we're buying a thousand dollars worth of 23 and me all right this is our this is our stock that the ai has has recommended <laughs> The funny thing is that the AI didn't recommend it at I know. all. <laughs> this is the stock that we came to at the end of a long journey, rejecting all stocks. And I think, I think. So first of all, I'm going to press buy, and I'll let you, I'll let you see it as I do it. We're going to swipe up to submit. Order received. <laughs> so there we go. There we go. Um, we made an investment. We made an investment. I feel horrible about it. Yep, me too. <laughs> I, I don't think this one's going into our hall. Of <laughs> I don't think so either. But I think I think there's there is um, a lesson here, which is um, when you when you have a really good strategy, and I think we have a good strategy. There's it doesn't there's not always an opportunity that fits that strategy, and it's really easy psychologically to peer pressure yourself as we just did <laughs> to make a horrible decision because you want to do something. And I think that that's like really core to, to the psychology of a good investor is you have to be really good at doing nothing, um, which most people are not. Um, and uh, like, I, I actually think that if we, if we sit on this thesis, which we will, cause it's, it's already always in our heads, there will be over the next, like couple years, like one or two opportunities that pop up that will obviously fit it and we will be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, uh, that really stands out to me uh, when um, when we saw that happen to NVIDIA uh, or, uh, you know, Meta stock price being depressed. Uh, those were the fat pitches <laughs> and you just have to be ready and, and wait for them. Uh, I, I should know, uh, I, I regularly reference sports analogies in, in my life as someone who is not into sports at all. And, um, and so I actually have no idea what a fat pitch is, but I just know that, that it's it something that though. I need to look out for. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and this was not that. This was it's like exactly the opposite. Um, my reflection is just since we were, you know, really trying to feature uh, using LLMs today yeah. was um, the massive context window is a huge benefit for Gemini. Yeah. Uh, but the challenge with dealing with massive context windows is that you need to find enough content yeah. to load into that context window to make it useful. Right. And we just ran into time and time again, over and over, that the internet today is kind of broken and you can't really easily access lots of content. Largely, I think, because no one wants to have that content indexed by LLMs. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's this kind of circular thing that I think is going to happen for a lot of the biggest benefits of LLMs in yeah. the near future is that you won't be able to access the content that most uh, uh, takes advantage of their context window. I think that makes a lot of sense. My hope is that big book publishers and movie studios and whatever will do deals with LLMs like the same way that Reddit has just just did a deal with Google yeah. to provide content um, so that you can like, you know, instead of maybe me buying a book for me to read, I could buy a book or like a set of books for my 
LLM to have access to to ask questions about. And I think that would be uh, a world where you can you can have people who create content like benefit from using it inside of LLMs. And I think that'll be better for content creators because people like it makes the books more useful. It makes you like if you don't if you don't have to read a three hundred page book like your LLM can read it. You might get value out of it that's locked in there that would be relevant to you, but that you wouldn't know because you can't spend the time on it. I um, was just about to make the same observation. If, if you think about how many products that we ran into just during this hour of messing around with LLMs and yeah. trying to make a stock pick, every single one of those roadblocks that we hit, we would have been willing to pay a content site a, few, a, a bit of money like buying an app in the app store to get that content into the LLM and make our next bit of progress. Totally. And I think there's so many opportunities like that for content companies on the internet. hundred percent. I'm like just envisioning like a one-click thing that it's like take all this stuff and just like like push it into like some some vast file store that like is hooked up to Gemini or ChatGPT or whatever. And you can just scroll around the internet like clicking and clicking and clicking and each time it's like $2 or $3 or whatever. And then you can create this like large personal database that you can use to um, make decisions or find stocks or whatever. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, that information being updated is another really key input. Yeah. So there were so many times that we ran into a roadblock that looked something like, well, we don't have the latest data or yeah. we don't have the the a list of stocks and all the data required against them. So um, anything that has a real-time data source is going to be really advantaged. That's something that stood out to me. Totally. Totally. The other thing that stood out to me was um, aside from the uh, information availability, there's this uh, issue where the LMs are not really willing to just make a recommendation. Mm. And in fact, it feels like they're getting worse and worse over time. Yeah. Uh, there's the sense of they're just getting uh, a little bit frightened of, of saying anything too direct. And, um, and so I think the, the golden age of LLM use <laughs> might be in the near future <laughs> when, uh, you know, things haven't gotten locked down too far just yeah. yet. Yeah. Uh, and you're able to get enough context into that context window. I think that makes a lot of sense. There's also just this thing where there's always opportunities. Like if large scaled LLMs get too kind of milk toast, it means that there's always opportunities for people to build ones that are willing to return riskier results. Mm. Um, like that's the limits of the, of the models usefulness and intelligence is not actually technology driven anymore. Um, like that is one limit, but like mostly it's like, what do we allow the technology to do? And I think there's a lot of opportunity for people who are willing and can take the risk to allow it to do more stuff to, um, to make LLMs that people will want to use. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to make another stock bet again in six months and see how it does. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. Uh, I loved every second of it and, um, I'm, I feel terrible about like that was the worst <laughs> the worst way I've ever spent a thousand dollars, but it was it was worth it to get to sit down with you. <laughs> I, I, I think it's worth it too. And you know, as someone who didn't uh, spend the thousand dollars on the bet, I still feel pot committed to it. <laughs> I'm be watching twenty three and me every day now. Amazing. Awesome. Um well thank you for this. Of course. See you next time. After after that episode, like I just could not let the 23andMe buy stand. And I was like thinking about it. And I think you were thinking about it. And um, I was watching the market. And I think I found something that sort of actually fits the thesis. And what I want to do with you is, one, we actually made some money already on the 23andMe buy. So I want to I exit that position. I want to I take the win. 
And then I want to go into the into another stock that I think like uh, fits the thesis, and I want to help. I want you to help me explain why it might fit this thesis uh, for for everyone who's who's listening. I can't believe we made money in that trade, but let's do it. Uh, so this kids is how you make money on a day trade. Um, <laughs> Uh, we are uh, we're we're down minus four percent on the twenty three and me since we bought it uh, last week and we're up nine percent total. So I'm just gonna sh- I'm gonna sell all of it. Uh, I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a sell all trade. Um, we're gonna make some money uh, and done. Is it done? It's done. <laughs> we made money. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> Considering um, considering how little thought went into that, that's uh, that's actually pretty impressive. That's pretty good. You know, uh, a, a stop clock is right twice a day or whatever. You know, <laughs> um, I feel I feel pretty excited about it. So the thing that we want to do now is I actually think that uh, Google sort of fits this thesis to some extent. Um, it had it had a uh, like a poor it had poor earnings uh, like a month ago. But the real the real interesting thing that occurred to me is they've had this sort of exogenous shock where over the last week or so, there have been all these problems with Gemini. And I think that that is driving down the stock price. Like it's lost $70 billion in value over the last week. And I just feel like it might fit that thesis. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that Google is... Uh... I mean, it's it's up fifty percent year over year, so it's it's hard to say that it's uh, you know doing doing poorly. But um, but in the in the last few weeks, in particular, um, there was the combination of a, a negative perception moment, um, which they've been affected by a couple of times before, especially on the sort of comparative chat GPT, uh, and um, and it, it was combined with. Their earnings disappointed because um, the, their revenue per ad uh, impression wasn't as as good. I think as well as um, uh, their capex was uh, uh, high, unusually high. And uh, I think investors are, are right to perceive that well, so, something is changing in the Google model. They're going to have to spend more on capex for longer uh, in order to serve uh, uh, search with Gemini. Uh, and um, with LLM type features, uh, just sort of costs more to deliver. Uh, and at the same time, it's harder to load ad units into it. So the the um, fears about LLMs were confirmed by the recent earnings, even though obviously they're not terribly affected by LLMs just yet. Uh, and, um, and, and at the same time, people's fears about Google being incredibly corporate, uh, woke, unable to get out of its own way, were confirmed by all the uh, uh, the uh, Twitter chat uh, ChatGPT Dali comparisons to uh, asking questions of Gemini. Um, so I, I do think that that this past couple of weeks would qualify for the exogenous shock component of the thesis. Uh, there's still the other parts though too, which are well. Does the company have a tailwind that it benefits from? And does it have an extremely scalable business model so that when that tailwind shows up, the company is able to capture a lot of the flow of demand? Uh, and um, I think it's worth repointing out that Google has one of the most scalable business models uh, ever conceived. Uh, so, uh, so that helps. But if we specifically analyze Google uh, from the perspective of, uh, well, in the future, they're going to need to deliver search results uh, in a way that 
requires a lot more compute. Uh, they are still advantaged in that business model because inside of Google, they've built their own, basically their own mini NVIDIA. Uh, they, they actually design their own semiconductors uh, and then they, they have their own cloud uh, to deploy those uh, and uh, deliver on AI-based search as well as cloud services. Uh, and, and so their extremely scalable business model, in spite of having a bit more cost in the near term, is actually a huge beneficiary of this tailwind uh, in LLM-generated search uh, and uh, LLM-generated experiences. So uh, I do think that it, it qualifies uh, so long as you're okay with the lower margin of safety uh, uh, <laughs> with, with, you know, it's not, it's not like the stock is way, way down. I, you're right. You're that, that is true. I, th- I, I am. Cause one of the things that I feel about Google is, you know, people are really down on Google. They're like searches going away, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. I think it's reflected in the stock price, but I think people forget that everyone felt that way about Microsoft, like five or 10 years ago. And before that, everyone felt that way about Apple, like 15 years ago. And both of those companies managed to get through those periods and come back really, really strongly in the subsequent technology waves. And I just feel like Google may be going through a rocky period. It may go through a rocky period for a while longer, but I do think it's well positioned to grow a lot in the AI wave. I mean, the fact that they uh, th- they got you to start experimenting with Gemini alone, I think is the best <laughs> indicator. Uh, and so if they're able to keep your attention and you find yourself using Gemini more and more, uh, I think that's a, a good reason to, to hold on to it. I agree. Okay, so let's let's roll our 23andMe winnings into Google and hope that Sundar delivers. Um, so I'm going to do dollars and I'm going to put in 1087 so we're buying we're buying a thousand eighty seven dollars worth of Google, and we're hitting buy. We did it. We're in Google. Go Gemini. <laughs> go Gemini. Uh, go Sundar. Uh, make us some money. Thank you, Jesse, for for coming on and completing this last segment of the episode. I'm excited for it, and I'm excited for our next ten bagger. All right. So excited to to see what happens here. Uh, Thanks a lot. Of course. Oh my gosh, folks. You absolutely positively have to smash that like button and subscribe to How Do You Use ChatGPT. Why? Because this show is the epitome of awesomeness. It's like finding a treasure chest in your backyard, but instead of gold, it's filled with pure, unadulterated knowledge bombs about ChatGPT. Every episode is a roller coaster of emotions, insights, and laughter that will leave you on the edge of your seat, craving for more. It's not just a show, it's a journey into the future with Dan Shipper as the captain of the spaceship. So do yourself a favor, hit like, smash subscribe, and strap in for the ride of your life. And now, without any further ado, let me just say, Dan, I'm absolutely, hopelessly in love with you.